Good morning again. Getting all my stuff set up real quick. Today, we are continuing our sermon series. That sermon series has been called Body Language. As many of you know, we've been going through the New Testament. Right now, we find ourselves in the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, we call it a book, but in reality, it's a letter. Some of you know this, some of you don't. The, the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth is what we call 1 Corinthians. It is a pastoral letter to a church. I think when we don't acknowledge that, we sometimes, we, we look at this and we're like, why is this conversation even happening? It's because the church was having some issues and Paul, their pastor, decided to write to them and say, hey, I know you guys are dealing with some of this, but here's, here's, what, here's what I would have you do. It's actually a very, almost informal thing. Some of us can relate to that. Um, we're talking about body language because Paul, as a pastor, is writing all these letters and one of the things that he keeps telling people is like, you are the body of Christ. Have you heard that image before, the body of Christ? If you are a follower of Christ, if you are a Christian, you are part of the body. Paul goes on to say that Christ is the head of the body. It's a fairly easy image, but living it out is, is very difficult because that means we actually have to work together and that's sometimes problematic. The sermon title for today is actually called Spatial Awareness, which I know you're really excited about. In truth though, you are, you just don't realize it. Spatial awareness is actually very important. Do you know how I know? Because I've experienced it. You see, I camp. I love going camping. You guys know that I do like the medieval stuff. When I go to a campsite, I don't, it's not just like a tent and a backpack. I bring literally everything I can fit into my vehicle. There is nothing more satisfying than fitting everything you wanted to bring into your vehicle and still having room to sit in that vehicle. When the, when the back closes... Oh, that's a beautiful thing. How many of you have ever played Tetris? Spatial awareness. How many of you like cats? Yeah, the internet loves cats. This is another way I knew about spatial awareness was important. I found a meme. Maybe you've seen something like this. Yeah. Spatial awareness is a little more exciting now, isn't it? Also, all of you really don't like it when other people don't have spatial awareness. You know how I know this? Because I drive on the interstate. I've done a lot of traveling this week. In fact, I would say the hardest place in the world to be a Christian is in the left lane when someone in front of you is going slow. <laughs> spatial awareness. Or my favorite, this one's hor it, it drives me nuts to this day. Have you ever been shopping? And the person that you're like in the aisle with has like no concept that there are other people there and they put that cart right in the middle. Oh, I have a method. I, I like some people will do like the cough. <clears throat> you know, some people will just say, excuse me. And that really like bless your heart kind of way. I am the silent one. I will wait. And when they notice me, they will know their shame. <laughs> oh, like, I'm sorry. No, no problem. <laughs> spatial awareness is a thing. We don't talk about it very often because the term spatial awareness isn't exciting, but spatial awareness is a reality that we all deal with. In fact, I would say as we're talking about the body of Christ, you know, bodies need spatial awareness. The actual definition of spatial awareness is very, very simple. It is being aware of oneself in a space. That's easy. It's easy to talk about. It's not easy to do. You see, there are two things that we need 
to be spatially aware. A, you actually have to pay attention to what's going on around you. The space. Many of us don't always do that very well. But that is a key component. You must be aware of your context, what is going on around you, the space in which you occupy. But this is the harder part. Self-awareness. And this is the part, friends, that we really, really struggle with. You see, most of us are very good at cataloging things around us. We are not always, however, good at interact, like, where we fit into that space. At all. Have you ever met someone who is painfully not self-aware? It's hard to be around people who are not self-aware. And here's the thing, like, I'm not just, I'm not just messing with people for not being self-aware. It's hard work. It is incredibly difficult because self-awareness is uncomfortable. It makes us address our failings. It makes us address the things that maybe we don't want to deal with. It is far easier to, to judge other people. <laughs> it is far easier to look at someone else and be like, you're not navigating that space well. <laughs> I've, I've had that moment and then I realize later that I'm the person in the middle of the aisle with the, <laughs> right? It is far easier for us to, to see and engage what other people are doing than, than what we're doing. And I'm telling you right now, this is a problem that the church has. That's why we're talking about it today. People have come up with many, many reasons of why the church is sometimes difficult to navigate. We love talking about differences. Well, they worship different, or they interpret scripture different, or they dress different, they look different. Our difference is not our problem. In fact, our differences are our strength. The biggest problem right now that the church is facing is a lack of self-awareness. Have you ever met someone who will fight adamantly for something that they don't know why they believe it? I didn't say that right, did I? Let me say it again. Have you ever had someone who has like argued with you on a point that they are just adamant about? Like that's the hill they are going to die on. And then you realize halfway through that argument, they don't actually know why they're arguing about it. It's not, they don't know why they believe that to be true. That's a lack of self-awareness. The church does this all the time. We love looking externally because it's so much easier than looking internally. When we talk about spatial awareness, it is important that we as the body of Christ develop spatial awareness and to do so, we need to develop self-awareness. Paul had similar issues. You see, I told you, the first Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Guess what the church in Corinth was having issues with? Differences. Very, very similar to what we do on a regular basis. In fact, if anyone ever tells you the Bible is no longer relevant, I beg to differ because I read this and I'm like, I think I have had this version of this argument at some point over the course of, over the last 10 years of ministry. Like it's happened regularly. Have, did you know that people in this room, not, not just outside of this church, but in this room have different opinions? I had, some of you have different political opinions. Some of you have different theological opinions. Some of you don't like the way we do things here. That's okay. Some of you disagree about little things. Some of you can't figure out where you're going to eat for lunch after this. I can never navigate a menu. My point is this. We're all constantly in disagreement with one another. And that has been the case since the church's inception. I'm going to read this to you. This is Paul writing to the church. This church is in Corinth. The problem with this is when the early church started, 
it was made up of Jewish people. Jesus was a Jew. His followers were Jewish. They had all those thousands of years of tradition, of learning. Pastor Greg actually talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. But here's the thing. They started bringing in non-Jewish people. They started bringing in Greeks. They started bringing in Gentiles, people who had no concept of God until they heard the story of Jesus. And now you have all these people in one area. And you want to talk about differences. Man, they couldn't even figure out how to worship together in the same building. Paul is addressing this. One of their big arguments, and I love that Scripture focuses on this because we read this and we're like, man, these people really cared a lot about their food. <laughs> and they did, but if you, when I read this, I hope you will hear, Paul is, Paul is engaging this in such a way where he's like, guys, this is petty. <laughs> Let me read this, this passage to you. This comes out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. Now, I'm not referring to, the, to your conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience. For why is my freedom being judged by another person's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they might be saved. I like that Paul delivers a blanket statement. Stop whining about food. Eat anything sold in the market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I think that was Paul doing that pastoral moment where he's like, please stop, stop this. <laughs> eat, you can eat the food. God made the food, eat the food. That's not what you guys are even arguing about. They're not arguing about the food. They're arguing about the intention in which the food is eaten. That's the issue for Paul. Like, don't worry about what you're eating. Worry about how you're eating it. He goes on in verse 31. I love that part. He says, no matter what you do, no matter what you do, do it for the glory of God. Thank God in everything that you do. It's not about what you're doing. It's about how you're doing it. It's about why you're doing it. Right? That phrase right there, verse 31, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Friends, that is Paul just like defining the space. Paul is literally showing them. He's like, guys, we have a really big area. Like you can move around in this area. Anything you do, as long as you're doing it for the glory of God. But then he follows it up with that verse 32. He says, do not cause anyone to stumble. That is a call for self-awareness. Paul tells them, it's not about what you're doing. It's not that you're doing things differently. Stop arguing about this stuff. No, how about we just make a new rule? Anything you do, do for the glory of God. You know, we actually tried that in the late 90s, like early 2000s, I think. We used to all wear these fun little bracelets that said, what would Jesus do? You remember those? 
That's what that was for. That was so that every time someone looked at their wrist, they would be reminded like, oh man, I wonder what Jesus would do. It would make them question. It would make them act with intention. It was developing a self-awareness as a child of God. That's what Paul really wants from people in this moment. What good is the body if we're not spatially aware enough to even interact with one another? This idea of self-awareness and spatial awareness is something that Paul is directly talking about. He wants people to be aware of why they're doing things. He wants people to know that, yes, you do disagree. This is important to you. This is important to you. Have you ever asked each other why it's important to both of you? Have you ever done that in a church? Have you ever had an argument with someone and then learned why they believe what they believe or why they're doing something a certain way and then you suddenly have respect for that person's opinion? It doesn't happen as often because we don't generally like to argue with one another. But I have been in more than one conversation with people where we are adamantly opposed. And then I I paused and I was like, why are you so opposed to this? And they started explaining to me why they were doing what they were doing. And it made perfect sense. It was something that their parents had taught them. It was something that had been reinforced by their churches growing up, by their pastors. I had an entirely different experience from them. And you know what? We were both worshiping God. We were both doing right by God. We needed to learn that we weren't the center of it. (laughs) One of the hardest parts about worship is that it's not about us. It's about what we are doing in response to God. Pastor Dave actually had a quote last week. I took notes. I wrote this down, and I've heard it in the office a couple times. You said, we are not led by the collective will of the group, but the collective desire to do the will of God. The body of Christ does not exist just to please other people. It doesn't exist other than to follow Christ. I want us to develop a sense of self-awareness today. I want us to begin the process of asking ourselves why it is we are passionate about things. I want you to know, like, what is God doing in your life? When was the last time we asked ourselves that question? What is God doing in your life? How many of you have a conscience? Most of us do. My brother does not. I learned that growing up. Your conscience is the Holy Spirit creating in you a new self-awareness. Your conscience is the Holy Spirit trying to tell you how to act as a child of God. Ask yourself, what is God doing in your life? Listen to your conscience. Another thing that we can really do, and this is so very important, We have got to stop worrying about what other people are doing. (laughs) I had someone tell me like, oh man, we don't judge at my church. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Every church judges, friends. We're good at it. (laughs) We figured out how to do that a long time ago. And it's easier than, you know, working on ourselves. What would happen is if, if we as a congregation started really paying attention to us, and how we were affecting other people instead of how other people were affecting us. What would happen? A, it would be hard, but two, I guarantee you it would change your perspective on how you interact with other people. 
We have got to turn inward. We have got to look at what God is doing in our lives before we can interact with with other people. We have to develop self-awareness. We have to learn who we are as children of God before we can be a part of the body. This is a hard concept. Well, it's not a hard concept. It's incredibly easy. It's hard to do. Because the next step of becoming self-aware, knowing what your conscience is telling you, knowing you, why and how you worship and why that's valuable to you, is beginning to recognize why it is in other people. Developing the component of spatial awareness that every body needs to navigate space. By the way, it's not just navigating space. The actual formal definition is being able to navigate space, especially when change happens, when the space changes. It's adaptive. How can we as the body of Christ ever adapt to a changing society if we haven't figured out what we're supposed to be doing as the body? We have to actually listen to the head. We have to pay attention to what God is doing in our lives. By the way, you are currently worshiping in a United Methodist Church. That is one flavor of the Christian experience. Our motto is open hearts, open minds, open doors. If we open the doors, we better be spatially aware. (laughs) Because people are going to come in. People are going to come in who look different than us, that sound different than us, that want to worship different than us. I'm a pastor. I have worshipped in more communities and different denominations than almost any of my friends. And you know what? Everyone's doing it different. And that's good because not everyone is the same. I remember the first time I got a tattoo and wore shirts to, or shorts to church. Oh. I heard words coming out of kind people's mouths that still haunts me to this day. When did church become about stuff like that? Honestly, I don't think we have that much of an issue with that here at Living Word. I think we're pretty good about including people. But I'm using that as an example to say, where are there differences in our church? And where are we respecting them? Are we learning to be the body of Christ together or are we looking externally? That's a question that every church should be asking themselves on a regular basis. If we really are open hearts, open minds, open doors, that actually means you have to have open doors. It means you have to have open hearts and open minds. And that means we have to be not only aware of what God is doing in our lives, but how we are interacting with one another. Nothing is more infuriating to me than when people display a lack of spatial awareness. I told you about the driving. I told you about the left lane. I am not a good Christian when I am behind people who are going slow in the fast lane. It is hard. It is difficult. I do not understand. But you know what? If I start to actually look at myself and realize this isn't my inner state. <laughs> if I start to look at this and wonder, like, maybe why is, why is that person in the left lane? I remembered back to the, my first road trip. I drove to Florida in a, in a used conversion van that my friend had loaned me. The heat did not work. I found myself in a busy city, and I was in the left lane because I knew in 10 miles I was going to have to exit left, and I was afraid to leave that lane. Terrified. I got honked at. I saw more passing fingers than I have ever in my entire life. I had one person roll down the window and throw something at the van. It wasn't my van. I wasn't that worried. 
But friends, spatial awareness is important. Self-awareness is how we get there. We, as the body of Christ, have the, do not have the luxury of not being spatially aware. This letter that Paul wrote, this little, this, the way he solves this argument, I like it starts off, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, then go ahead and do it. The easiest answer would have been for Paul to just say, well, stop eating with people who are different than you. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't that have solved half the problems in the church? If they're so worried about meat, what would happen if Paul was like, man, y'all are just vegetarians now. Go in peace. That would have been an easy solution. But instead, Paul does not give them an easy solution. Paul gives them a space to navigate. Paul says, if you want to go, go. It's not about what you're doing. It's about how you're doing it. Make sure that no matter what you're doing, you do it to the glory of God. It's about inclusion. It's not about exclusion. The gospel of Jesus Christ frees us to be the people that God has made us to be. Let's start letting other people be free as well. Let us live together as the body of Christ. Let us work together. Because when we work together, when we move together, and we're in in union with one another. Friends, we accomplish great and amazing things. That is the kingdom of God at work in this world. Amen?